We'll now have our Bible readings. First readings from Acts 10, verse 34 to 43, and is on page 138 of the New Testament in the Pew Bibles. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as the judge of living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. We had a a double booking for that reading, so the boys are just getting ready for the next one. Adam and Ben and Jacob are going to do the next one. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn... They came to the tomb, talking to this, taking the spice that, that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and all to the rest. Now it was Mary... Madeleine, Jonah, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told them these apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Oh yeah. well done. 
Thank you. So what I thought I'd, we'd, we'd do this morning is, is first of all, you, I'm looking for some, some people who be, you kind of like need to be around two or three years old to kind of do this. So if you're anywhere near two or three, and we might need some parents to help them, I want you to come and join me out at the front. This is, this is, this is what a two-year-old looks like, just in case you're not sure. <laughs> Crows, you're heavy for two, aren't you? There you go, Thea. And they're going to need some help. So if you're kind of two or three, you can come out and join us, basically. Because we've got our Easter scene, but there's, there's something kind of wrong with the Easter scene. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with the Easter scene? Go on, tell them, Wendy. Tell them. The stone hasn't been rolled away. So we need someone, first of all, who's going to roll away the stone. Anyone want to roll away the stone? You want to go and roll away the stone? Can you roll it away? There we go. Thank you. Now then, does anyone, well done, does anyone want to go and look inside the stone? Look inside the tomb. See if you can find anything. Go on, get in there, go on. Can you get in? Go on, get in. Can you find anything? If you can find anything, can you bring it out for me? Bring them out. They're going to destroy the tomb. <laughs> Look at that. How many did you find? <laughs> I love how he shares. He's given one to me and kept one himself. <laughs> there we go. Well, listen, do you want to take that with you? Do you want to stay in there or do you want to come out? Your choice. You can stay in if you want. Your mum's the same. Please come out. Please come out. There we go. You can stay in the tomb while we're going to think about that second reading. You see, I heard the other day, somebody told me this, that chocolate helps you to remember. Chocolate helps you to remember. So as you know, when I do these talks, I kind of don't have any notes in front of me. So chocolate helps you to remember. Should we start try it out? Well, I'm going to try it out. Do you want a chocolate, just a minute? Oh, I'd love one. There you go. Uh, uh... Anyone else want a chocolate? <laughs> Barnaby. Go and get it. Go and get it. Don't take it. Don't nick his chocolate. Someone's nicking his chocolate. Anyone else want a chocolate? Obviously blind as well. There you go. Right. That will help you. Right. If you've got a chocolate, you might think you've won, but you haven't because I've got a question for you about that story that we're going to think about this morning. So here's the first question. On that second reading that the boys read for us with with hardly any notice whatsoever, let's see, who's got a chocolate? Who's had a chocolate? Barnaby, come here. Right, 
Here's the question. See if you can remember. How many women went to Jesus' tomb? Now, before you answer, if you want, the answer is either less than three, three, or more than three. 45. What? 45? Will you, will you know what? You, that's the right answer, isn't it? It is. Be, because we just get told that there was three women and the rest. So there could be 45 of them. Yeah, that's the right answer. Right, next question. I don't know if it was more than three, so it could be 45. Right, how many angels did the women encounter at Jesus' tomb? Right, who wants a chocolate? There we go. Right, eat the chocolate, see if you can answer the question. You can see how this is going to work. Anybody else want a chocolate? At the back, catch Ephraim. Your mum will catch it for you. Okay, how many angels did the women encounter at Jesus' tomb? Is the answer one, two, or three? What do you think? Two. That's right, chocolate helps you to remember, doesn't it? Anybody else want some chocolate? Here's the next question. What's the next question? How many disciples? Oh, Josh, there you go, catch. There we go. Hurry up and eat it. How many disciples did the women tell about what they discovered at Jesus' tomb? Was there less than 11? Was there 11? Or was there more than 11? What's the answer, Josh? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to let you off. It's Easter Day. Try again. <laughs> Try again. More than eleven. You need more chocolate, don't you? There you go. Right, okay. Here's the next one. How many times is Jesus' name mentioned in the passage? Not two or four. Anybody want some chocolate before they answer? Anybody want some chocolate before they answer? People are looking at the Bible and they're trying to work it out. (laughs) Jacob, catch. Catch, Adam. Where's Ben? Is he hiding? There you go. Well done for doing that reading at short notice. What's the answer? Four. Wrong answer. Pardon? No. Jesus' name isn't mentioned. He's mentioned, but Jesus' name isn't mentioned. That's a bit of a trick question. Last question. Let's see what we can do. Which disciple or disciples got up and ran to Jesus' tomb? In Luke's account, was it John and Peter? Was it John or was it Peter? Anyone got the idea? John is the wrong answer. John and Peter is the wrong answer. So what's the right answer? Peter. It must be Peter. Oh, dear. This is going to be a long talk. I hope anyone wants some chocolate while we have the long talk. (laughs) 
There we go. Anyone else want some long chocolate before we go? There we go. Catch. There we go. Catch. Right. Let me tell you the rest of the story now. Because you obviously don't know it. So I'm going to have to go right the way back to the beginning. Okay, let me tell you a story. This is a true story. Last Monday morning, kind of like, I'm, I'm sat kind of like where, where you are, but I'm in a different church from this. I'm in Grooville Parish Church. And I'm there because Bishop Trevor is there. And he's, it's a special service that we have every year at this time of year. It's a time where we remember the commitments that, that someone like I made 13 years ago to serve the church. And so we were there, and he was telling us a particular story of a visit that he'd just made to a place just outside of Canterbury. This place is called the Fifth Trust. It's a charity that works with people with, with learning difficulties or severe educational needs. Now, I've spent some time with, with people with learning difficulties, and I know that it can be a joy I know there can be lots of laughter around there, but I also know that they can be, they can be quite direct. And kind of, when you have conversations, you can't have conversations in a rush. Timing's kind of go out the window, and that's exactly what happened to Bishop Trevor that day. Because he goes to that community at least once a year, and he confirms people in that community. And so... As he was getting out of his car, he was greeted by a member of the community. She was a, a, a young woman in her a late teenager, and she said to Bishop Trevor these words, Do you remember me? Do you remember me? Well, fortunately, Bishop Trevor could because he'd confirmed her last time. So he said, Yes, I remember you. I confirmed you last time. And then she said to him this question, Do you remember what I was wearing? Do you remember what I was wearing when you confirmed me? And... He struggled then. And he said, well, I can't remember, but she said, okay, I'll let you off. I was wearing a blue dress. And then she said, do you remember what you said to us when you confirmed us? Well, Bishop Trevor then said, well, not exactly. But I know what the broad theme would have been. It would have been this, to go and make disciples. And then she said to him, are you still doing it? Are you still doing it? Are you still making disciples? And then what, what followed Bishop Trevor said in the next 10 minutes was that this young woman took Bishop Trevor to her vegetable garden and she said, this is how I'm making disciples. And he described those 10 minutes as the most humbling, yet exciting and refreshing that he'd had in a long while. Do you remember? Do you remember what he said to you? that he would suffer and die, and on the third day, he would be raised back to life. And we read in Luke's account, then the women remembered his words. So, of course, the, the key message of Easter Sunday is this, that he is not here, but has risen. In other words, he's not dead. He's alive. And the resurrection is the whole center point of, 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 of Christianity. Without it, Christianity just collapses. And so what helps us to remember? What helps us to remember from that story that Jesus rose from the dead? And when I think about what helps remember me to remember, I first of all think of this. I think of the empty tomb. 
That's the first thing that I remember. I remember that when the women went to the tomb, the, em- the tomb was empty. Completely empty. And that helps me to remember that Jesus rose from the dead. But it's not enough by itself. Because someone could have just stole a body. So what else helps me to remember that Jesus rose from the dead? And here's the second thing. It's the women and the disciples later who kind of went and told everyone that Jesus had risen from the dead. And of course, they saw Jesus later on. And we get told later in the Bible that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Incredible. But that alone is not enough to tell me that Jesus rose from the dead because they could have just been seeing a ghost. But the two things together helped me. And that gives me the proof. But Jesus didn't want to finish there. Luke, remember when he wrote his gospel, he wrote it very orderly. He was a doctor. He was very structured. He wanted to look at all the evidence. And that's how he wrote it. And so he thought, I'm not just going to give them that. I'm going to give them something else. Do you remember? Do you remember what he said to you? about how he would suffer and be crucified and on the third day be raised back to life. And that was what convinced it for the women because we read, then they remembered his words. The words that Jesus had told his followers, not once, not twice, but three times, that this would happen to him. And then there's a final thing that helps me to remember and it's this. It's your own faith experience of living the resurrection now. You know, when we think about what happened, you know, the women go back and they tell the disciples. And how many disciples were there, Josh? How many were there? Less than 11, 11 or more than 11? More than 11, that's right. But only one of them goes to the tomb and goes and looks at it himself. The rest of them just think that the women are telling them an idle tale. In other words, they put the best spin on a story that ever could. And so what does Jesus want us to do? What does God want us to do this Easter Sunday morning? Remember the question that we've been looking at through Lent has been that question that the first thing a Jewish person would ask when reading any passage of the Bible would say, What does God want me to do? And is it not this? To live the resurrection life and to live your life remembering the resurrection every day. And for me, that looks, first of all, it involves exploring. Like the women in Peter, you have to go and visit this tomb. You have to go and look And explore all the evidence for yourself. And recognize that the simplest explanation of what happened that first Easter Sunday is that Jesus rose from the dead. But you don't just leave it there. Because exploring is the first step. But it's not the only step. Easter is the start, not the end of the new story. There's a second thing that we do, and it's this. We have to go and participate in it. 
The women and Peter, they didn't just get to the, to the tomb and just leave it there and think, oh, that's great, the stone's rolled away. They went and looked inside it to see what they could see. In other words, it started to become real for them. And to participate in remembering the resurrection in your life is all about having a relationship with Jesus. And of course, at that stage, what we realize is this. If you were here two weeks ago, remember, we, we had this tomb. And this tomb was Lazarus's tomb. And when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he came out with his grave clothes still on to kind of symbolize that he would kind of die again. Of course, what happens when Jesus rises from the dead? What we find is this. The grave clothes are left in the tomb. Because what you realize when you start to have a relationship with Jesus, as Paul tells us in Romans 8, that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead and that left those grave clothes in the tomb now lives in you and me. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. That's how you remember to live out the resurrection. And then there's a third thing. And it's this. You never lose your sense of amazement at what happened that Easter Sunday. It's implicit with the women. It's explicit with Peter that what happens is he goes away from the tomb amazed, marveling, if you like, at what Jesus has done. The word amazed there can mean astounded, it can mean surprised, it can kind of just be left speechless, lost in wonder. You're just marveling at what Jesus did and that's what happened to Peter. He went away from the tomb, different He wasn't the finished article by then, as we'll see next week. That starts to happen then. But what he started to do was he started to tell people. And that was the thing that, for me, is so convincing about the resurrection, is that you had this group of women and Peter. None of them expected this to happen. None of them expected to get to the tomb and to see that. None of them. And yet, over time, they would just tell others. They would tell the marvellous events that happened at Easter Sunday. And it became infectious. And it, and it changed the world. And they just marveled at it. And of course, the thing is this. How can people remember if they haven't heard? And how can they hear only if someone tells them? Do you remember? Do you remember what he said to you about how he would suffer and crucify and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. On the third day from now, on the 23rd of April, people will gather at another tomb in a church and they'll gather to remember another famous man who died 403 years ago. He's a man known throughout the world whose impact still lives today in the literature that he wrote. His name is William Shakespeare. 
And the way that they remember William Shakespeare's death is that in that particular church, there's a, there's a marble monument, kind of like we can see the monuments around this church, but it isn't a monument that's just a plaque. It's, it's, a, it's a marble monument of him. And he's writing at a desk. And the way that they remember him and the impact that he still has is that there's a feathered quill where he's writing. And they take the feathered quill out and they put a new one in. On Easter Day, we remember not the works of someone. Not even the legacy of someone. We remember someone who changed history quite literally, and split it in two. Because Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Do you remember? Do you remember what he said to you about how he would suffer and crucify and on the third day be raised back to life? And then they remembered his words. Let us pray. So let's take a moment just on this Easter day maybe to be silent and to just think what does God want us to remember this Easter day? Maybe for some it's to start taking that first step in exploring Jesus' resurrection for yourself. To examine whether it's an idle tale or be amazed by a history changer. Maybe for some, God wants to take you into a deeper experience of that first time that you met Jesus. Do you remember? Do you remember what he said to you when you committed to follow him? Maybe he wants to, for some to draw deeper into that resurrection life. Do you remember that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? Maybe for some of us, God just wants us to gaze once more into the empty tomb and just be amazed. Lost in wonder at the risen Jesus. And go from here and share that experience with someone else. Or maybe for some, God just wants you to remember how much he loves you. And there'll be an opportunity to do that as we share communion shortly. So risen Lord Jesus, who lives today and prays for us, draws to you in remembering to explore your bursting from the grave, to journey deeper into your resurrection power living in us, to get lost in amazement, marvelling at what you achieved that first Easter. In your name we pray. Amen.